That's right, you geeks. Welcome back into the Echo Screen. As always, I am your host, the Commodore. And with me tonight, we have Rue, who is hopefully devoid of all technical problems. Are we Are we still good? We good, Rue? <clears throat> Amazingly, I remembered to actually plug you in this time so people can hear you. Yes! Score! Let's close it right now. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Seven minutes in. Or actually, not seven minutes in. Seven minutes late. One minute in. <laughs> well, you can count that as seven minutes in, right? And, and everything hasn't crashed yet. So at least we've got that going for us. Hey, folks. Uh, welcome back to the Echo Screen. Um, we missed two weeks ago. Not sure if you noticed. Some and then, of you did. Yeah. And then supposedly was, we were going to have a follow-up week last week. Missed that, yeah, too. Yeah. It just, it just, just things got crazy. So... I, I tease this on the Twitter, I, and actually, you don't know about this, Mr. Commodore, Mr. Daniel Commodore, whatever okay. your name is, your real yep. name is. Yep. Uh, I had a mystery illness shortly after the last time we were on here with the podcast, and I wound up going to the hospital. A mystery illness? A mystery illness, and taking bets in the uh, in the chat as to what it could be. Uh, no, actually, I had appendicitis, which is not fun. Adult shingles? Basically, that's kind of what it is. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, you had appendicitis. I, I will uh, ignore gory details. The only thing I'll say is that your appendix is a bastard and it will kill you the first chance it gets. So um, if you have a pain that starts as a bad stomach ache and then moves into a very sharp, horrible pain in your lower right quadrant of your, of your thorax, you should probably yeah. go to the emergency room. Just don't even bother with like your family doctor or urgent care. Just go to the emergency room because that's where you're going to wind up regardless. Luckily... No complications. Everything's good. It just sucks for a while. That's all. Wow. That's not good. So there's my first news and note of the day. Yeah, you just you just totally killed the mood, dude. Ugh. It was like... This party died. This party died. Well, it's, part, it, it's a part of a circuitous example uh, or a circuitous reason as to why we have not had a, a, a an echo screen for a few... For a month now, so... Right. True. Sorry about that. Um... <laughs> uh, it's funny because I was actually I was thinking about this the other day. I have I've heard of like three people recently within the last week that have had their appendix either give them horrible horrible trouble and have to have it out, or actually like blow up and they didn't know it mm -hmm. and like you know problems and complications. Well, not to completely derail the podcast, but what I found interesting is I was talking with some friends shortly after, and we have a mutual friend who works in uh, the hospital, mm -hmm. and she was saying that in America, the like no, the thing you do if there's appendicitis, the standard operating procedure is just take it out. In Europe, apparently, and we I think we probably have some Europeans in the chat who can maybe maybe verify this. They just give you antibiotics because it's like an it's an infection in your appendix huh. that makes it swell and get pussy and explode potentially. Uh. And supposedly it's very similar, you know, uh, levels of success in each. Interesting. Huh. Interesting. Right. I didn't know that. See, yeah. this is the things that you, this is why people come to the echo screen live. Mm -hmm. Because talk, they need to learn. Welcome to, clan, appendicitis. welcome to clan of the gray wolf. We talk about appendixes and pus and nothing else. <laughs> Appendices. <laughs> Uh, other, other news, which is, oh, yeah. which is actually important. So uh, a couple of programming notes. Uh, I will be going to a Sans Commodore, going to a couple of conventions in October. The first one will be Retro World Expo, which is uh, being held by the guys from Retroware TV. And a lot of Retroware alums will be there. 
um, at the Toyota Oakdale Theater in Wallingford, Connecticut. That'll be October 3rd, uh, mm-hmm. one day. So be there. Actually, you, you might be able to drive down if you wished. You won't, but you could. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> so there, I'll I, be I mean, there for I, that. I could drive to California, but I, I probably won't. And then... I'll be uh, attending yet again the Portland Retro Gaming Expo in Portland, Oregon, October 17th and 18th, 2015. I'll actually be doing a panel with uh, Norm Caruso, the gaming historian. We'll be talking about the history of video game uh, preservation, et cetera, et cetera. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that's always a a hoot. And then in the middle there, I'll be attending uh, a wedding of of some guy who's getting married. Somebody. Some douche. Who, who, Who might that be? I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know any poor schlubs that are getting married. Uh, okay, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, oh, should that I answer. do this? <laughs> um, yeah, no. D- d- you have to remind me of the uh, relentless planning going on right now. Yes. Oh, uh, Techie makes a good point about the European approach to appendicitis, by the way, leaving no scar, presumably. Well, yeah, if it's if it, you just take antibiotics. But I had laparoscopic surgery, so it's not the cut a big incision, take things out. It's here's some holes going. I'm sure we really want to keep talking about this, right? I thought maybe they just like Apparently, shot you with a laser and it was gone. That's coming out in a few years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, hopefully mine will hold off until then. <laughs> You never know when appendicitis will strike. I don't want to know about that. This is this is a, another thing I, I don't want to worry about. Um, okay. All right. The real news and probably, notes. We should probably actually have like a real program here at some point. This, we, uh, uh, we haven't had a show in a month and we're talking about like <laughs> completely unrelated crap. Uh, and I blame you. So here we go. We're, we're, Fair enough. This, this is the Echo Screen Live, folks. So eat it. Um that's our new tagline so eat it yep um we're now sponsored by weird al yankovic hmm. so we are going to we do we do the show in three portions we do the first part of the show which is the news and notes you've already had a, a little smattering of news and notes it can be anything thus far uh we also have the topic du jour which today happens to be the 20th anniversary of the PlayStation, which Wait. was actually last week. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's not exactly today, but... That's okay. We're close enough. This month. We'll just say this we month. Can't, we can't please everybody. And um, and then we, as always, have the third portion of the program, which is the question and answer portion of the program. If you'd like to ask questions for us to answer live on the air, all you have to do, go up to the upper right-hand corner. If you're following us uh, in chat which we do have a nice little IRC fancy chat client if you'd like to jump on. Uh, Click on my name, Commodore128, send me a private message. That's one way. The other way is to tweet to me at It's the Commodore. We'll take the best questions that are submitted during the course of the program. We will answer them live on the air, which is a pretty good deal. But I'll remind you all, you don't have to ask questions just about the topic du jour or any of the news and notes. You can ask questions about just about anything. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to, you know. (laughs) You can try. You can try Try. to ask just about anything. Ask whatever you like, and maybe we'll answer. Or your money back. Eat it. Eat it. Just eat it. Um, All right. Let's go real. Other than your ailing health. You want to go first? About how my Uh, body is failing me. Yeah. Yeah. Which 
reminds me of the most recent Rick and Morty episode, which, by the way, I'd like to profess, since you last told me to, uh, a lot has happened the last month. I win. You got you me got- on Game of Thrones, but at least I got you on Rick and Morty. You got me on the Rick and Morty train. I absolutely love that program. It's phenomenal. That's it. That's all you got to say. I, I do. I, mean, I what am I going to say? I mean, I it's a it's the show That's is the most underwhelming positive review of anything I have ever heard. I, I don't want to waste people's time. I, I, I just wanted to let everybody know, give them an update that I really did enjoy Rick and Morty. And I, I it's to me the the measure of a show like that. I mean, I remember you know because it's an Adult Swim show, right? I mean, and I don't think that, I've ever liked an Adult Swim show. Well, I've liked a couple, but but mostly things like Aqua Teen Hunger Force and things like that. Man. Aqua Teen Hunger Force was very hit or miss, but you know it, it, it was good. When, it was really good when it was good. Rick and Morty is pretty much constantly funny. So mm-hmm. I, I I and I laugh out loud in every episode. You can't say that for most shows. So I, I am I'm all over it. We both have now. We both have Nash to thank for that. He has infected yes. me, and I have infected you. Did did Nash also have his appendix out? Because maybe I should be worried. Yep, that's how it happens. This is, this is the Rick and Morty, like bouncing. <laughs> no, we're all going to have our appendix. Although out. I think we have both, uh, in a sample size of two, I think we have found an interesting corollary to the Rick and Morty Morty uh, theorem hmm. that everyone likes it. That there is apparently a a gender gap. Oh yes. Yes. Not saying all, my, all women dislike it, but we have both found that our significant others, not so much, are, are on the Rick and Morty train. They're, God bless her. She watches it with me, and, and I really appreciate that. But she just kind of sits there with a half smile on her face and kind of going, eh, can we, can we watch, like, you know, Fear the Walking Dead now? A uh, hundred uh, years hey, Rick and Morty. It came out, too, since we last yeah, spoke. So, I've, I, so how many have you watched? I, I'm up to date. This is the new spinoff to walk to to The Walking Dead, where it actually oh, happens as the zombie outbreak is occurring, as opposed to Walking Dead, which cleverly I thought starts up like six months after or something. It's awesome. like it's in medias race, if you will. Yes, very well, very yeah. well played there. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Tenth grade English. Also, the Fear of the Walking Dead premiere was the largest premiere in cable television history. Bet you didn't know that. I think I had heard that. It's a little surprising, but no, it's not because as we all know, I, I'm kind of amazed Walking at the Dead Walking is Dead, the best and biggest yeah. show on television. Well, it's not the best. Well, it's the biggest. Okay, apparently that is that is quantifiably popular, verifiable. Most popular show, which is on television. but that's kind of surprising to me. I thought it was petering out a little bit in popularity, but I guess not. Shows what I know. Nope. nope. <laughs> yep. Nothing. You know nothing, John Snow. Speaking of which, I have about 300 pages. Of the of a dance with dragons left, and I will be completely caught up. This is ketchup September for me. This is ketchup mustard, ketchup mustard September, uh, and I will be ca- all caught up yep. with uh, with a, a, a song of ice and fire, and I will be ready and clamoring for the winds of winter, which I will not read until I have watched the next season of Game of Thrones. So wait, wait, wait. We we kind of skipped over. What did you think of Fear of the Walking Dead? Uh, Fear the Walking Dead is, is pretty good. I mean, I, I, uh, I guess we should, we should uh, review all the things I'm catching up on. How many are you into it? I'm all the way caught up. Catch Did you just say that? I missed it. Okay. Catch, I've only watched up. the first two. I, the premiere was okay. It was just okay. There was a mm-hmm. lot. I was distracted and doing stuff on my phone for a good portion of it. The second episode was much stronger. That's as far as I've gotten. But I'm, I'm curious now to see. Hopefully it 
covers a lot of how society has fallen. I don't so the much first... care so much about the druggy the druggy son or anything like that. So, well, you know, whatever. I, I, the first three minutes of the premiere is awesome. The rest of the premiere, I completely agree with you. Very blasé. Mm-hmm. Um, the second the second episode is really good. The third episode I found to be very strong too. It's like, where is this show going? What 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 are they going to do here? What's going to happen? Um, I don't know. I, I I think it's it's exciting to see where this is going. Um, it's a it's a it's a different show than The Walking Dead. But I think what's interesting is that I think this show is not going to get a bunch of new people onto The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, this show, to me, just is a way for them to have Walking Dead kind of going all year long. All in your face. Uh, this is yeah. This is not going to be. This is part of the AMC. Oh God, Mad Men is over. We need to make more money somehow. Machine. Yeah, we got to do something. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I. I don't think this is going to make people that don't like The Walking Dead like The Walking Dead or watch any shows. I don't think that's going to happen. Hmm. But it is a little. It, it to me, it's a little bit. Um, I don't know how to say this. It's it's a little bit more of a kind of uh, thriller to a certain extent. It's it's less to me. The Walking Dead is so good because it's about people. It's about well, yeah, community. It's about how you relate to others, how you trust people, those kinds of things. Fear the Walking Dead so far is is much more kind of visceral. I'll mm-hmm. say that it's more of the classic uh, zombie story of. Yeah, how everything goes to hell if you take away people's comforts, right? Basically, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, more news. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So news came out, I think, about a week ago, actually, of not the first Nintendo game to come out on a mobile, but certainly one of the more interesting ones, and one of the first big. Uh, fruits of the loins of this partnership between Nintendo and mobile game maker DNA, uh, which is Pokemon Go. Uh, Mm -hmm. Actually, and and technically this is being developed by uh, Niantic, which recently uh, was acquired, I believe, by Google and then recently split off again. Uh, The makers of Ingress, which is this uh, kind of alternate reality game that takes place in the real world. Have you played? Do you know about this at all? I got hooked on no. it for a few months, actually. No, I, you're, you're, this is all new to me. You're okay. introducing me to something cool here. Especially because you're traveling. You should check it out. Um, okay. Basically, the idea is that it you have your phone and it uses the GPS, and there are places on the planet, uh, all over the planet, that people will submit uh, as, um, you know, like power points. Uh, and mm. they're usually around – this is – I'm sorry. This is uh, uh, Ingress. And it's based off of various like landmarks, quote unquote landmarks. And it might be like, I don't know, the the local water tower or the local bistro or the Statue of Liberty or something like that. And there are these power points and you have a blue team and a green, green team. And you have to hack these points and set up these defense grids around them, which the other team can then attack and hack and try to take over. And mm-hmm. basically, that's it. It's just like green versus blue, and that's that's the whole thing. But you have to actually go to these places as part of the alternate reality uh, game, right? Yeah, you know, I think I do remember seeing something. This 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 is not new. This is this has been around for a while, right? 
uh, uh, Ingress? No, it's it's a few years old, I believe, at least. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, I was about to say. <clears throat> but I, I feel like I have heard about this. So it was not recently. So Pokemon Go is going to be a, a coming out next year, and it's going mm-hmm. to be a, a joint operation between Niantic and uh, the Pokemon Company and Nintendo right. and DNA and all these places probably. Yes, yes, yes. Um, where you can not a lot of information now, but basically you can go out into the world and capture Pokemon, and I would uh, presume battle Pokemon. I don't know if you can battle maybe battle against other people. It sounds really interesting. It's the kind of game that finally takes a, a a bit away from the very starting to get rusty uh, Pokemon RPG. Uh, yes. you know, rut we've fallen. Dare I say in. formulaic? A little bit for almost twenty years now. Not that it's bad, not that Pokemon games are bad, but getting a little rusty. People have been asking for something like an MMO or something like that for a while now, and this is at least a step in that direction. I'm really, really interested to see what happens with this. Well, and this is is what's cool, because I think you had had explained that um, I think some of the more interesting elements of, of Nintendo's partnership in terms of the mobile space... Right. Was not necessarily that we were going to have these new awesome games that were, you know, playable as experiences that you just couldn't miss on mobile, but instead kind of change the formula a little bit and turn them into, you know, use some of these the elements of mobile to make games that were interesting on mobile. Um, It looks like this is a great example of that. Right. This is not, you know, this isn't like, you know, bridge to a whole new path. No, was a, was that's terrible. not where I thought you were going. You know, building an entire, entirely <clears throat> new path. It's it's kind of taking the tried and true and, and mixing in some some really cool new stuff that's more techno- technology driven, I should say. True. And and Nash brings up that, well, cynically, he says, in true Nintendo style, they make a useless piece of plastic you need to buy in order to get the full game experience. Has that? I don't know if that's actually been proven yet. There is like a little... A little doohickey, a tchotchke that you can buy and wear if you're going around in order to collect stuff. Not fully explained yet, I don't think. But uh, I don't think yeah. it's necessary. I think you can still do the whole game off of your mobile. There will, of course, be uh, 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 pay paid features. Uh, yes. Like pay pay some real money to get like 15 jewels you can use to catch a, a Pikachu or something like that, probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else yeah. you got? Man, hey, I, do, I I remembered a, a small bit of news that's important to cover before uh, that I forgot before. Hey, I hey. have a Wii U. Hey, hey. you and I haven't people. turned it on yet. Ah, uh, boo. You know, I, I got things to do here. No, you don't. Um, but once I do turn it on, we're totally going to smash. So just let me know. You should uh, put your your friend code out there so anyone can smash with you. That's I don't the, even know what friend code is. I haven't even turned uh, the damn thing on. Well, okay, I say friend code. It, it's it's your your actual handle now. We're, we're past the doldrums of Nintendo, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the old fr- internet connection. Yeah. Here's an interesting uh, <clears throat> factoid. So I was trying to do a little little data transfer from the regular Wii to the Wii U uh-huh. via SD card because you can't do it over the air. Yeah. And I found this interesting piece of information, which is that the original Wii has to connect to legacy architecture routers only. So I bought a new router, and I would have to turn that back to AES hmm. if I was going to use WPA2 authentication on my router. Ah, well, because, we would, because the Wii would not connect to it. You're getting into the 
geekery. I refuse to do that. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, this is important to you, all you people out there. Uh-huh. I turn the key on, and I'm trying to get it to connect. I put in the password 500 times, and it tells me it can't because the mm-hmm. password's wrong. The password was, was never wrong. I've had the same password on my – it's one two three four. It's the same thing I have on my luggage. Point is, I've had the same password. It's like a combination idiot would have on his luggage. It's the same as my luggage. I just figured, I don't know why. I've, I've said I've, I've actually used that quote like four times this week, so I figured maybe using it with you would actually get a laugh. Because <laughs> um, everybody else kind of looked at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Right. Anyway, so I, I put I no, I didn't get the code wrong. Sure enough, if you use TKIP on your WPA2 authentication. The Wii will not connect. You have to turn it back. I don't have Mario Maker, but I hear it's potentially the best game on the system. Yeah, I, I've heard the same thing. I heard it's fantastic. I, th- I, I feel I'm not going to have the time to put into it. I'll just ask for it for Christmas, probably. I probably will never get that game because I don't have any time. But when I, but what I do plan <laughs> on getting, here's, here's, let me tell you. I want uh, new Super Mario Brothers Wii. I want to get Mario Kart 8. I want to get uh, Smash. Smash, I want to get... Uh, I might even think about getting Splatoon, which looks really good. Uh, I actually test-fired that, or, or did the, the test thing uh, when I was recovering from my guts being taken out a few weeks ago. They had a test thing for the weekend where you can play for a few hours. It was fun. It was it was definitely fun. I'll probably I'll probably pick it up if it goes on, when, or when, it, when and if it goes on sale. Nintendo first-party games are notoriously slow to go on sale, unfortunately, but... Yeah, well, that's but it was fun. They, it was good. They maintain a high <laughs> high level of quality. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I exactly. got a Wii U. I was also going to talk for a second, uh, not to divert us too far, into the uh, recent Apple announcements, none of which are particularly we, salient. We should have just pro- made this a news and notes podcast. Well, it's episode. because we haven't talked for for so long. I know we got a lot. Um. So Apple uh, made its its next foray into mm-hmm. gaming. Mm-hmm. With an improved Apple TV that's supposed to be able to uh, run native applications that are up to 200 megabytes, I think, um, and uh, and basically be able to, you know, um, suffice as a gaming system for your television, hence trying to kill your set-top box with, that the cable company has and kill your Xbox at the same time. I have serious, serious doubts that it's going to do any of that. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a half-assed attempt at best. How many, how many times has this been attempted by different companies? Yeah, and Apple twice already, so. Yeah. Mm. Three times if you count the Pippin. Um, <laughs> but really, whoever so counts the Pippin? No one ever counts the Pippin for anything. I, I, The only reason I even have the Pippin in my consciousness right now is because of how many jokes mm. I saw about Apple's new game system. Oh, I thought it was because you said you, were, you saw the, uh, the musical. I saw the musical Pippin. Yep. I did not see the musical Pippin. Um, <laughs> all right, that was my news. Why don't you do one more and then let's freaking move on. Uh, okay. Uh, how, about, how, about, how about two quick hits? Um, okay. N- Nintendo yep. has a new president. Uh, yes. We, we discussed uh, a few episodes ago about the passing of Satoru Iwata. And now... We can talk a little more about what's going on with Nintendo maybe soon in a future episode. I think that'll, I think that'll be a more in-depth episode. But just suffice to say that their new president, Tatsumi Kimishima... Kimishima. Kimishima. This is why I left the Japanese pronunciation to you. Tatsumi Tatsumi K um, uh, was named the new president. He's actually, uh, he has a history in banking. He used to be a Nintendo uh, of America president. President of Nintendo of America before Reggie Fizeme took over. He was uh, president of Nintendo of America during the DS 
era. Yeah, right? uh, when and the DS was launched and GameCube era. Yeah, does anyone remember this guy being president of Nintendo of America? No, but maybe he was obviously not of Reggie. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that this guy is very much, very much everything I read about him. He seems to be a very, I mean, it makes sense. He's a numbers kind of guy. He he's 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 a behind the scenes kind of guy. He's not a very public face. Um, I saw a news note today about how uh, Nintendo directs will live on likely not with this guy uh, (laughs) doing them. Uh, You'll probably still see some of the same faces, at least in America, like Reggie fils Bill Trinan, et cetera, et cetera. But not so much from the president of Nintendo, Um, which is fine. Uh, It seems like he's continued. He's continuing in the same path that Iwata had had uh, laid out seemingly mm-hmm. uh, with the mm-hmm. Nintendo NX, the move to mobile gaming, or not move, but a, a an expansion to mobile gaming is probably the better way to put it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Apparently, I, I was reading an interesting article. I can't remember who had it, but it was basically about how uh, this new president was dubious that the Wii U would succeed. He had mm-hmm. he had doubts, so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he's what Nintendo actually really needs right now. Um, yeah, he says he's not going to be rocking the boat very much. He's not going to let numbers drive everything because you can't do that with a video game company. Well, that's good to hear. So hopefully it'll work. It's probably true. I think he's right. <clears throat> yeah, and and uh, uh, Psychopath in in the chat makes a good point that Kimishima, like his predecessor Minoru Arakawa, who was the uh, or is the uh, son-in-law of um, Hiroshi Yamauchi, who led Nintendo mm-hmm. for decades uh, and into the video game world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, he, he started Nintendo of America and was the president for a long time there. He also was very not public, so yeah, that's not, not anything new necessarily. But Yeah, Reggie's just a, a public figure. He's very public. <laughs> yeah, so that's one. Uh, and the other one is I finally have a new phone. Ah yes, my hand my hand was forced after my Note Two took an unceremonious dump, and just I reset it one night and it decided to never ever come back on. It never rebooted again. Not changing batteries, not plugging it into the charger, not doing any sort of hard boot, nothing. Yep. Not nothing. Nothing worked. So I was like, D-E-D okay, D dead. I gotta get something. <clears throat> I wound up. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. I wound up getting a Nexus 6, uh, nice. the, the, which is a Motorola phone from last year, um, which is, boop, right there. I am a big fan. Um, beep. The main reason I got it, uh, it is because um, of the Google experience, basically the pure Google experience. I, I'm, yeah. I'm finally on Lollipop now. I should be among the first to get Marshmallow. Um, yep. I don't have bloatware. Uh, to contend with, um, it's nice. Which I like is it. Awesome. I like it quite yeah. a bit. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of Motorola. Uh, you know, Samsung still probably has the best hardware amongst phone manufacturers nowadays, but uh, Motorola is definitely up there. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I'll, I'll probably hang on to this for a while. And hey, it's the main reason that pushed me over for it is that it's cheap now. Cheap as dirt. Well, not cheap as dirt, but I mean, have you noticed? Most phone companies are going away from the two-year contract model where they subsidize yes. phones, right? Yes. So it's a little harder to pick phones now when you have to plunk down 700 bucks up front <laughs> instead of getting it subsidized for a two-year contract. So this is now um, 32 gigabytes is 350 bucks, uh, 64 gigabytes, 400 bucks. 
which is pretty good considering it's about $300 more expensive less than a year ago when it launched. So, yes. Not All right. bad. Not, Not bad. too shabby. But anyway, I know we've been talking about that, touching on it off and on for the past few months. So I finally just want to bring some closure to that so we hopefully never have to talk about it again. All right. And yes, we can do a Nexus 6 high five anytime I see someone. With a uh, Nexus 6. At, at, with a Nexus 6 at a convention. But it won't do anything because it doesn't have that little touch thing like the Samsung's one, ones do. It's got NFC. Oop. Oh, it does? Yep. Okay, good. Then then you can. So suck it. Uh, hey, I, I just a side note. This is a this is a thought I had while I was setting up the Wii U. Somebody was, and I don't remember who it was, famously said that the Wii was just like two GameCubes <laughs> duct taped together. Yeah, I forget who actually said that. But that yeah, that, that quote is definitely... Um, so Infamous. I think he was right, but with the wrong generation, because the Wii U is totally <laughs> like two Wiis duct taped together. Yeah, like it's basically the bit. same size and everything. It's it's. Well, I mean, that's the problem is that you'll still come across people today who are like, oh, the Wii U is a different console. I thought you just got the tablet. Yeah. And that's it. Right. Nintendo bungled a lot with that launch. But anyway. oh, yeah, they did. <clears throat> Probably because grandma bought the first Wii and. Oh, she then, doesn't know about a Wii U. What that? What's all that all? Then about? she got run over by a reindeer. Then she, we're not at that season yet. No <laughs> Ooh, need to start. Oh, it's that coming! Season. It's coming! Uh, yes. All right. So let's move on to the topic du jour, folks. Last week we had uh, we had a, a an event that might that went noticed for sure, but it but it might have dropped under some of your radar, which is the PlayStation turned twenty years old in America. Which is all that matters, which is why we're talking about it. Because <laughs> um, it actually had, it turned 20 in Japan. Oh, about a little earlier. Eight months ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so uh, you know, but we're American, so we, we give you American news. Yep. Um, hey, how about them debates? The I wasn't aware that uh, Microsoft and Sony were having debates now. I think they should. I think they should start having should debates. That'd be yes. funny. Well, your console sucks. Um, anyway, the PlayStation turned 20. We thought it'd be a good time to to talk about hmm. the PlayStation and talk about its legacy potentially and how it will be remembered and what its place in video game dumb will inevitably be. We can also share some stories about our own, I don't know, adventures with the PlayStation, would you call it maybe? Adventures is good. Adventures um, in the Magic Kingdom. Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, which is not a PlayStation game, but... <laughs> We will we will discuss it nonetheless if need be. Um, and I thought uh, this was a good time for us to kind of you know maybe talk about a few of our favorite games and, and and things like that of why we thought the PlayStation kind of attained the success that it did. Well, so why don't you kick us off? First, a little background in case you didn't know. It's almost it's hard to tell what is kind of common knowledge at this point because mm-hmm. I'm just a, dor- a giant dork. Yes. I assume most people know this, but I'm going to go over it just in case. So the PlayStation was born initially out of a, a joint operation between Nintendo and Sony in, around in the late 80s and early 90s. There's, the PlayStation was going to be an add-on for the, the Super Famicom, uh, mm-hmm. a CD-based add-on. Instead, infamously, I think it was at uh, one of the CESs in 91, mm-hmm. um, where... Sony announces, hey, we're in partnership with Nintendo. We're making this PlayStation thing for the Super Famicom. Isn't it awesome? It's super cool. And then the next day, Nintendo comes out in their press conference and says, "Uh, yeah, we're working with Philips 
uh, yeah, for Phillips. CD stuff. The uh, inventors of the CD. Yeah, they're Ooh. awesome. Yeah. We're going to have this yeah. awesome back and forth. They're going to make a few Nintendo games. It'll be perfect. That became the CDI. Um, and it, yeah, that kind of angered some folks at Sony. Uh, e- even after that, really, really, I mean, offensive, especially in Japanese con- culture, that is a smack in the face uh, to be so publicly uh, uh, smacked down like that. But um there was still talk about working with Nintendo for a little while after that. And then eventually through uh, a series of uh, unfortunate events or whatever, um, Sony decided to release the PlayStation on their own, uh, which they did in 95. Um, Creating a division called Sony Computer Entertainment. Yes. So, and, <clears throat> yeah. and it released to, um, I don't remember it being released to a lot of fanfare in America. Well, this was a weird time, right? I mean, r- remember remember that the, the, uh, video games yeah. weren't necessarily public well, it wasn't, consciousness. It wasn't what it is now, that's for sure. Right. Um, and also, and I'm you sorry, know... it was 94 in Japan, 90, 95 in America. And the video game markets were very different back then. I mean, the fact is the PlayStation launched in Japan because Japan at that time was the place, the, the, the biggest video game market in the world, which is not even close to being reality now sure i mean so so the, the, i mean the video game market at least in america at the time was i mean the super nintendo had finally kind of put the final nail in the the 16-bit console war it was starting to really run away with it with um donkey kong country and such uh mm-hmm. really boosting it above the genesis you had uh the sega saturn was released in america in 95 as well on top of this was about the time where Sega really started to bungle things quite a bit. They were coming off of their high, uh, Sega Japan specifically. And again, uh, Console Wars is a great book that came out recently that kind of focuses on this era. Focuses a little bit more on Sega. So if you want that inside knowledge as to what happened at Sega during the 16-bit era, um, it's a really good book. Very, very thick book. Um, but anyway, I mean, you had the Sega Genesis, then you had things like the 32X, which was released and didn't do well. You had Sega CD. Sega CD didn't do all that great. A lot of a lot of additions. Then you had the new console with the Sega Saturn come out in 95, which did not do well. Uh, and right. then you had the Nintendo 64 coming out on the horizon in 96, um, which... The Ultra the 64. 64. Exactly. So it looked like Nintendo was kind of going to be the only game in town. Uh, well, the only big game. You had other stuff like the 3DO and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, like, Sega was starting to really stumble as Nintendo's main competitor. So the stage was set for mm-hmm. someone to come fill in. Um, and, and Sony did. The market kind of, I guess, uh, proved that, that there was a spot for them. Um, <laughs> I Well, what, tell us how, how, how well the PlayStation 1 sold. Do you have that in front of you? Uh, how, yeah. how many units did they sell? One moment, please. Uh, the PlayStation itself. Okay, Google. How many <laughs> PlayStations? That's another thing. I love how I can okay Google this thing when it's uh, sleeping. Yeah. Um, oh, no, Apple invented that. Don't you know that? Didn't you see that oh, at the Hey oh, Siri? Event? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, they totally invented that. Like, hey, you, Siri. You can't have that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you can't do that. Uh, here's some quick facts. Some quick facts on the PlayStation released uh, in Japan on December third, nineteen ninety four, uh, September 9th, nineteen ninety five in America. Um, sold. This continued in two thousand six. Units sold worldwide one hundred and two point five million units. That's a lot. 
That's quite a bit. Uh, that's uh, that's like NES territory. I don't know how, how many did the NES sell. Just to give a little bit of perspective. Um, yes. The, For a console that had a, a lifespan of about, what, six years? Five years? The NES or the... Uh, no, the, the, the PlayStation. Oh. Well, more or less. More or less. You sold... Oh, wow. Actually, the NES only sold 62 million worldwide. So the PlayStation did much better. Um, there you go. Wow, I am shocked at that. I thought it was more like a hundred. Anyway, um, the best. You want to guess what the best-selling game was on the PlayStation? Um, the best-selling game on the PlayStation. Man, that is a tough one. Uh, I'll take a stab. I will say it was. It was. You're killing me. Crash Bandicoot Two. Gran Turismo. The original Gran Turismo. 10.85 million shipped. Anyway. What's, what's interesting is that I, I did own Gran Turismo. Welcome to Wikipedia Trivia, everybody. Anyway. See? Uh, yeah, this is, this is where we pretend that we know stuff that we don't really know. So so there you go. A little over 100 million shipped and sold uh, from... Uh, yeah, Psychopath got it. In there the, you go. See, the, you in the chat. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, but but and I think I think it was psycho. I think it was I think it was psychopather who actually said earlier. My experience with the PlayStation is I didn't hear much about it until '97. I don't think a lot of people did because in I, America at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let, let's face it. It's it's first lineup of games in the first year or so was kind of poop. Yeah. I mean, you had things like Bubsy 3D. So yeah, Bubsy 3D is awesome. No bueno. Um. You know, I think this this probably bridges the gap a little bit here, too, because most folks, it's already been said in the chat, I think a lot of people probably didn't know a lot about the PlayStation until there were all of the commercials mm -hmm. on TV about Final Fantasy VII. Yes, and that was a big deal. It, it, man, that's a whole other episode on why, why did Final Fantasy VII... <laughs> finally break that logjam to make RPGs successful in the West. Nintendo yes. and Enix and Square had been beating their heads against the wall for a decade by over a decade by that point, trying to get RPGs to work in the West on consoles. And Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII did it. I could you could argue that it was those commercials and this the, the yeah. quote unquote cinematic quality that got yes. people to like this was the time again setting the stage of the time you had things like interactivity uh uh what's what's what was that catchphrase um not web 2.0 but uh you mean um like buzzwords <clears throat> yeah what was that buzzword in the 90s for anything that had to cd rom it was uh multimedia it was multimedia basically it was it was an interactive experience it was 3d with like it's like you're in a movie playing this game yeah. you know it's not it's like, like you're there the any yeah. nintendo or the super nintendo or even the genesis you know and so still with a four by three aspect ratio too well yeah exactly and, and, but that sold a lot and i remember we have we have a mutual friend in high school who mm -hmm. was Obsessed with Final Fantasy VII. He got a PlayStation to play it, and we begged, borrowed, and pleaded to uh, play it as well. We only got... After he finished the whole thing. After he finished the whole thing. We only yeah. got to the first disc before the thing broke a bit. But, um, that's true. That's actually something I want to talk about as well. Well, actually, why not just bring it out right now? Sony PlayStation is a finicky device, hardware-wise. 
It I, was. I, going on into the PlayStation 2, even. Um, well, the PlayStation 2, to me, didn't feel as kind of thrown together as the, as the original PlayStation did. There was there was things there were things like the expansion bay in the back of the original. There was um, there was kind of a clunkiness feel to it. The PlayStation yeah. Two feel like a solid unit at least. Yeah, uh, but I mean it would break easily, especially that drawer that tray that came out. I mean, not to be fanboyish here, it is true. Nintendo is really well known for building solid consoles that won't break. Right. Even to this day. Right. Very true. Uh, Sony, at least with the PlayStation One, PlayStation Two, not so much. I think I think Microsoft, since the PlayStation Two, has kind of taken over the the ire of the gaming public in terms of expect your console to break with the Red Wing right. of Death on the Xbox 360. But right. man, I um, have come across more problems with PS Ones and PS Twos that had. Uh, hardware issues so it also added a bit to the mystique because the playstation was uh, it did what nobody else would do which is that they would it, it offered a cd gaming experience and yeah. they because everybody's afraid of it because of piracy so yeah. playstation the reason i say it added to the mystique about the about the playstation is because people that were trying to pirate games the playstation was the only way to go because True. you could, because some of that clunkiness, right, ended up paying off for things like modding the system, being able to put the little spring inside the drawer so that you could like switch disc. You could boot it with a regular disc, and then you know, with what they call like a wobble disc, because they put a special like wobble coating on the black PlayStation black discs, so you could boot it with that. So it would be like, oh yeah, this is a PlayStation disc, and then swap it out for a real disc, and the PlayStation would have no idea. Exactly. Um- you could like you could just hack it with like a spring, and that's not something that you could do on a Nintendo, right? I well, mean, well, and that was that was and weird. that that was the whole point of Nintendo going with uh, cartridges on the sixty four. I mean, right. that that was let's face it, that was the main thing. They they were yeah. they were still trying to keep that iron grip, or at least bring back the iron grip they had over the over everyone uh, right. in in the supply chain back in the NES days when they had controlled ninety percent of the market. Exactly. They wanted control over copy protection, or, or they wanted to prevent copies from being made, and they wanted to control this, that, and the other. So they went with cartridges for the 64, which had a lot less storage space, which led to more technically... I mean, the hardware on the 64 is more technically impressive. I would say 3D games on the 64 look better than those on the PlayStation. I don't. I don't even think you can argue that. Really, if you look, I don't at, think so either. No, if you look at something like Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time or Mario sixty four, it looks better than almost any three D game on the PlayStation. It just is. Yep. Um, but the lack of storage space on those cartridges, and and the fact that Nintendo had pissed off a lot of people up to this point, made a lot of third parties jump ship. Square being one of the most famous, and they plopped out a lot of RPGs on the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. They, well, the PlayStation had, had a ton of RPGs in general because when Final Fantasy kicked the door open, I think... Yeah, that that's when the floodgates opened. Like, oh my God, these are selling finally. Release, release it out to the West. And it was a lot easier to do to program on a, on a CD, etc., etc. Uh, rather than the kind of complicated architecture of the Nintendo 64, which is another thing. Nintendo 64 only had... A few hundred games. I want to say it's like two, two to three hundred. Yeah. I can't recall. Right. Maybe two hundred. 
Yep. Super Nintendo had over 700. The NES, even more. To only have 200 games on the Nintendo 64 is kind of a testament to how difficult that system was to program for, I think. Yes. And Whereas I think the also... PlayStation had but also, but also a lot, all the controls that Nintendo had put down, and, and I think some you know people weren't willing to play the game um, because it was so much cheaper to produce CDs um, on a massive scale. So uh, even in in simple supply chain instances like that, I think people were were mm. were very happy or much more happy developing for the PlayStation. Yes. Um, but the PlayStation, you're right, was not over overly impressive technically. Um, but it did forge ahead into the realm of 3D gaming in a way that um, was unabashed. I mean, they basically said, this is the console for 3D. Mm-hmm. It might not be the, you know, might not be 3D that you'd want to actually play. But trust me when I tell you, it's 3D and you should you should totally respect that. Right. And, um, and, and there are people in the chat that are saying that it actually, and this is a good point, the textures on the Nintendo 64 weren't the best. That's also related to the lack of space. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And I th- uh, so, I, again, I, th- I think it's, it's that the PlayStation kind of forged that path. You know, I remember playing games like Tomb Raider, you know, um, Legacy of Kane. I remember, mm. I remember playing a lot of those games and, and thinking, "Wow, this is yeah, you know, this is great. This is this huge expanse." But when you you get into it and you kind of go, "Oh, things are off. I can't really like move around this the right way." You would have small, you know, small little correction, and the controller would just, you know, you fall off an edge you didn't know was there, right? I mean, it, it was it was tough to play. To the point where if you go back and you try to play um, the original Tomb Raider or, or, like I say, the Legacy of Kane or any of those other kind of third-person um, shooters, it's I would call them unplayable now. Yeah, they're difficult. <laughs> because because <laughs> the 3D sure. is so bad that you it's really hard to get a grasp on what's going on because we're used to the 3D... Um, textures and and the 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 hit detection and all these other kinds of things inside of the game being much tighter than they were on the PlayStation, which could could hurt its legacy to a certain extent, right? I mean, you know, if, if you try to sit somebody down in front of a play, a PS One right now, say here is an awesome game for PlayStation One, and it's not Castlevania Symphony of the Night, mm. like. They're going to sit there and go, what the hell is this? So, so I, okay, I, let, let's go out on, a, on, on not much of a limb and say that a lot of PlayStation games are hard to play nowadays. To use, yeah. to use the parlance, they don't age all that well. Um, not at all. They're early 3D games, and that's, that's, I mean, that's what to be expected. A lot of Atari games don't age very well either, Atari 2600 no. games. It's just what it is. Right. But, not like the NES, you know, which, which seems to be timeless in many ways. Certainly better, certainly better, yeah. because it wasn't the first forays into two D gaming. Um, what what games on the PlayStation do age but the best? I, th- I think Symphony of the Night is a contender for but one of the best. Symphony of the Night is not a contender. Symphony of the Night is the it, it, I I might say is the best game on the PlayStation. It's mm. and and you that argue would that. be today, and that would be today as well as when it was launched. It's just a game that perpetually satisfies and doesn't have the archaic look of the 3d on it there are definitely textures on there that are that are well, weird and, and it's a 2d it it's a 2d game so that, it doesn't that's interfere why. with the gameplay is my point exactly 
you still have 3D textures. You're like, oh my god, this is ugly as hell. But you can still play the game. It's still fun. It still looks great. It still sounds great. Everything works. I would actually argue Final Fantasy VII is kind of difficult to play, um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to look at. I should I should put it that way. But the play, the gameplay, is still among the best of the RPGs of that era. For whatever reason, you could argue yeah. various reasons, RPGs got a lot more bogged down. JRPGs, I should say, got a lot more bogged down after Final Fantasy VII came out. And that's not yes. that's not unrelated, or that's not uh, limited to uh, other RPGs. That happened in Final Fantasy VIII as well. Uh, really complicated oh. gameplay systems mm-hmm. uh, that I, I, I think a lot of people don't find all that great. Um, you had games like... Xenogears, which was just yep. so overwrought with with story and, yeah. and the gameplay mechanics were a little wonky and et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot well, of here, RPGs here are hard effect. to play from that point from that era, I would say, except for Final Fantasy VII. It's still still really solid. It's very similar in gameplay to Final Fantasy VI in that way, actually, yeah. which is also a great game. So, so I think what we're seeing is a side effect, right? I mean, part of the reason that, that this generation of gaming was so popular is because of the added space of CDs and, you know, the ability to have multiple discs for a game, so on and so mm-hmm. forth, right? But there's also this argument about how that can also sprawl, that can lead to sprawl um, or or feature creep, as we would say in, in development processes, right? Where... You know, there's this great idea for a game, and then it becomes so huge that by the time it's released, it's impossibly complex, or it's it's added way too much stuff that doesn't make this good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one of the one of the things I still say, I, I I think the PlayStation in many ways is the beginning of that sprawl that we still feel today in many ways. Um, you know, games to download on a PC for the most part, unless they're kind of indie games, which is kind of the the, antith- the antithesis to this. You know, if you're downloading a AAA game for a PC, it's going to take gigabytes of space. It's going to take, you know, all of these these really high end features, you know, and 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 graphics cards and so on and so forth. Um, the PlayStation really began that because it 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 was it, it allowed for people to do so much more with storage, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about making that kind of quick, tight experience that that did things really well, which I think you could argue the Super Nintendo is the apex of that. Let's make a statement um, in this in this package and then let everybody kind of go on about their lives and remember how great that little that that experience was. It's more about like here is this vast expanse and you will be able to do whatever you want in this vast expanse and there's a million different things to think about. Well, they had storage space, was, yeah. Because they had all the storage space in the world and, and I think that detracts though. I, I really do. As far as lasting legacy, I would say, I mean, obviously this was right around this time is when <clears throat> Sony usurped the 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 place the, or the um, – kind of just the mantle of video games from Nintendo right. before 19 before the late nineties, if you were playing games and an adult came in, they'd say, Oh, are you playing Nintendo? Right. That, that just meant video games. Are you playing right. the Nintendo? Well, it's actually Sega Genesis. Yeah. It's the Nintendo. That's what I said. 
Um, yes. After that, shorthand for video games became PlayStation, uh, and right. that's since gotten muddled in the past decade or so. But for a good yep. for a good about a decade or so, there uh, PlayStation was vernacular for video games, especially with the launch of the PS2, which right. which was one of, if not the most successful video game consoles of all time. Right. Um, which Sony just knocked that whole uh, that whole. Uh, console generation out of the park in a lot of ways, yeah. um, especially with the inclusion of DVD, which really helped a lot. But uh, the <clears throat> the long or the 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 lasting effects of the PlayStation on the video game market <clears throat> is very important, not just for Sony but for other companies as a whole. PlayStation is what finally made Nintendo humble. Yep. Sega Sega was the upstart that got them to to kind of rock back on their heels a little bit and say, "Oh, oh, whoa, okay, there's actually a competition now." Okay, I guess we're going to have to change a few things. PlayStation yep. dominated Nintendo 64 six ways from Sunday. Yep. And it took another generation after that for Nintendo to really get its stuff together with a GameCube where they got knocked back again, this time by Sony and Microsoft, and then they right. and then they finally said, "Okay, Okay, we can't compete with these guys on what they're doing here. Let's just try something different. And that's when you started to see stuff like the Nintendo DS. They started to see right. the Wii, et cetera, et cetera, which <clears throat> Sony, or sorry, Nintendo has had varying degrees of success with some wildly successful, some not so much with the current Wii U. But it's something it is propelled Nintendo to, on their path over the, pa- over the past more than a decade. Yep. I would say directly I, because of, of the PlayStation. Of the PlayStation. I, I agree with that 100%. I think the the direction that the PlayStation took in terms of grabbing the market away um, also charted a, a very different path for video games in general because it, was, it, it came from a consumer electronics company. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember you and I having long arguments about this circa 2001 maybe because you were you were adamant that a company like nintendo that was focused on games and that's all that they did would always be dominant in the gaming space i was adamant that a company that sells all kinds of stuff could make a video game system that did all kinds of other stuff better um and i think uh, to an extent, both of us were kind of wrong, right? Because what, what we've seen now is that there's 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 room for both of those things. Microsoft tried to do a bunch of other things, and now they're really trying to tighten that experience back up to video gaming. Um, Nintendo really, I think, was was laser focused on trying to stick with that core audience of the Wii U and or the Wii and bring that experience to the Wii U and failed miserably. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting to think about, though, that I think Sony set the video game world on a course where it was about a consumer electronics company could produce their own system. And a, a lot of folks try to do that. You mentioned Philips with the CDI. Yep. You know, uh, but but a, the, I remember going to in this generation, going to you know a uh, you know a, 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 a Walmart or a Sears or whatever, and it, there would just be tons of systems on the wall, right? 
And you're like, well, what the hell am I going to choose? Dreamcast, you know, like all these different different systems that you could try and play. Like, what am I going to pick here? We don't really have that anymore. The sprawl's kind of gone. But the reason I think people got that thought process going is because the PlayStation said, hey, we're a consumer electronics company. What do we know about games? Absolutely nothing. But here we go. We're, we're going we're gonna to go anyway, right? And, and then Microsoft, of course, did the same thing a few years later. The only thing Microsoft knew about games was that they did have a game studio that made things like Flight Simulator, but, and they made the world's most popular operating system. That's it. Yeah. What do we know about games? Absolutely nothing. Well, let's start a gaming company. You they, know? they did it. We could do it, right? They, they did it. We could do it. So the, the Xbox, which, by the way, then takes the mantle of gaming for a little while, for at least a little while. It wasn't long, but a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, only comes into existence because of Sony. They saw Sony. Bill Gates, I forget when I, where I read this, but I recently read this. Bill Gates said, how dare Sony take over the living room? Don't they know that that's ours? Mm-hmm. We own that space. And, that was, and that's why the Xbox came to be. And we were discussing that earlier in the program with Apple and the Apple TV taking over the living room. How long has that been the Holy grail really since the PlayStation that is, that has been the Holy grail. Certainly definitely since the PlayStation two, if not the PlayStation that's been the Holy grail of, of companies like Sony and Microsoft and now Apple and, uh, Roku, et cetera, et cetera. Countless, yeah. Countless they want to yeah. be your one thing in the living room. I mean, no right. one's found that yet. I, not the, I mean, you can have everything you want, more or less, kind of. You, you can have, uh, you can have uh, unreasonable approximations of everything you want in one, you know, uh, entertainment center system, or or, or device from you know yeah. whether it be Apple TV or your Xbox 360 or your PS4, you can have your Netflix and a gaming system and. Uh, an internet browser and blah 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 blah. It just kind of sucks. It's and, yes, you know, ne- the jack of all trades, master of none syndrome. And so, it's interesting that 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 has been the holy grail of Microsoft and Sony for so long, and Nintendo is just done. Or they, yeah. actually, I don't think they even never, they had never even really wanted that. They're just like, no. I mean, they they just they reluctantly included Netflix, reluctantly yeah. included YouTube, right? I mean, these were things that you didn't do on a game system. And uh, and I I think um I think Sony with the PlayStation was that first, well, uh, you could maybe first really successful version of the entertainment system, right? Well, the, the, the PlayStation well, I think it was the first. Know. Well, no, you well yeah, you had the Philips CDI. Which I would say was the first bald, baldly, you know, obvious. This is going to take over everything in your entertainment system in one box. Right. Of course, it failed spectacularly. So I would say that right. even though the PlayStation, the PlayStation Two, didn't meet the lofty expectations Sony had for it as the single entertainment center system, they got yeah. a lot farther than any other game company well, ever did before. But again, I think the CDI failed spectacularly because it was really just a very, it was an excellent exploitation of the CD technology and yeah. a terrible game system. The PlayStation was a really good game system that gave you a couple features of, of technology. The, the, the Japanese version of the PlayStation would play video CDs, not available in America, right? Yeah. Um, but you could play audio CDs in it. Yeah. And people did. 
did they, you know, did they really want to use the PlayStation as their primary source of audio? Probably not. Well, no, but I mean, I'm sh- I, I think you've done this before. It's like if you have a party, you put a CD in and just play it off the TV. Why not? You know, it's, right. it's, it's not without its utility, but it was really the DVD player included with the PlayStation 2 that made made people really first look and say, oh, wow, I could actually right. use this game system for more than just one thing. And a lot but of one did. look at, at the PlayStation 1, the original PlayStation, you know that's not a high-quality audio system that I'm putting in my entertainment center, right? Sure. It, it's, it's a, this is a game system for which I play games, right? Um, if you look at some of the other consumer electronic devices, it's a little blurry. Even the Apple Pippin looks more like a, uh, looks more like a, hey, I'm supposed to sit in your entertainment center. You just pop open this thing and a disc goes in, right? You're all about the Pippin tonight. <laughs> What can I say? It's, it's been in the news because Apple's decided they want to be a, a gaming company again. Um, but, you know, I, I think our point is taken right here, which is that, yeah. that you know, the PlayStation wanted – the PlayStation 2 took major leaps in this direction. Because what is the PlayStation 2 besides fitting perfectly into your enter, into your entertainment center, right? So, you know, a PlayStation 2 hugs right up to a TV. It's got a little red light. You push the button, the disk drive comes out, and it's got the, you know, the, like the black lines on it. So it basically disappears. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, your PlayStation's there. Like, you don't, you don't want to have all the awkward wires and everything. You just push the PlayStation all the way back there, and, you know, you're ready to go. So the PS2, to me, is the first time that a, that a major game company could fuse it all together in a successful way. And... It, has anything sold better than the PS2 other than a portable system like the DS? I am not going to check, but I'm going to go ahead on a limb and say no. I think yeah, the PS2 is still so. the best-selling home console yeah. Which is staggering considering how many Wiis were sold. But um, but yeah, so the legacy yeah, PS2 the- as a PS2 as a system was... I mean, I think they just recently stopped making PS2 games. Right. right. You know. Oh, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that... Ago opened up markets that never were video game markets before that's oh yeah that that, that was and, and it was playstation that's another thing like see the playstation playstation began playstation 2 perfected uh mass marketing of video games to the public that's right it wasn't just a thing for kids anymore um but, oh god how many did it sell 155 million units sold wow playstation 2 yeah there you go. So that's a lot, and I and, and it's a cor- over course of a long time. But it also sold very well all over the world. It wasn't just a Japanese system. It wasn't just an American system. Um, it sold all over the place, and it, that's why it's so popular. You still find PlayStation Twos all over the world, even in like you know uh, places that don't traditionally you would think of as as places where you play games, right? But they're just so easy to find because there's so damn many of them. That you can play, and they're backwards compatible. I mean, you know, that's that's a whole other concept. The entire the idea of backwards compatibility, yeah, that's true. really arises as a part of the PlayStation brand. Mm, I mean, it was a thing in the '80s with some of those consoles during the crash, but it wasn't uh, true. It, it became true. more of an expectation of sorts when PlayStation Two. That's what I mean. It became that, yeah. it became something that wasn't that was expected. If you're going to make a number, a second version of your system it better play all of the first version plus more right and that in, in many ways haunted playstation uh because when the playstation 3 has like does. limited backwards compatibility and yeah. now it's okay now it is because the appetite really changed 
Um, One of the big things from from Microsoft this past E3 was, hey, we're going to have limited backwards compatibility on Xbox 360 games. Woo, oh my God. And why? Because they know that there's a lot of people that probably weren't ready to make the jump. Mm -hmm. But now they'll make the jump because it's like, okay, well, I'll just throw out my 360 or I'll trade in my 360 and now I can play all my games on a Xbox One, Mm -hmm. right? That was the only way I was able to sell the whole Wii U concept. Hey, we can always play your old Wii games on this. Oh, okay, cool. We can get one of those. So, you know, and you know what? The, the the Nintendo NX will very very likely play Wii U games as well. So it continues. There you go. And I think uh, there is there are so many other things we talk about in terms of the PlayStation, the development, the ideas behind it. There are so many cool things behind the PlayStation One. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, but why don't we get to a few games? That we think best illustrate the capabilities of the PlayStation in this this particular this system. I won't even say this generation. This system, and then, or you know, maybe even I don't know. Just just a couple a couple games that you think are are worthy of note. I think I, I mean I already touched that. I mean Final Fantasy VII is um, come on. I mean it's not the prettiest game on the system. Uh, no. I would say Final Fantasy IX was actually a better or prettier RPG. I think the art style works better. But Final Fantasy VII. Sure. Hmm? I'm not sure Final Fantasy VII is among my best games of the PlayStation One, though. I I put it up there because the gameplay is very solid. It's not my favorite yeah. of Final Fantasy, but the gameplay is very solid, and it has to have a special mention for being one of the first RPGs on a console that showed how big the world could be. Um, yes, you know, really really expansive. So that was great, um, and uh, things like. Um, I don't like the game personally that much, but like the Gran Turismo series, Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo 2 are very good simulations of driving. And I don't think you would invent an entire genre of the driving simulator, the realistic driving simulator. Pretty much. You you never saw something that realistic Hmm. simulated on a home console before. I mean, I say never. There might be an example or two somewhere, but Gran Turismo was certainly one of the most popular Early, early the, the sports par, the sports car club of America used to use it to train their drivers before they got in an actual car. Believe it or not. There you go. So I agree with all that. I I think um, there's a couple definitely worthy of note. Metal Gear Solid was an uh. amazing amazing game for the PlayStation. It is I think still very playable, although it is definitely dated. But mm. um, and not and not just because of its you know cultural faux pas with the cigarettes and everything else that it does and. But anyway, the that's the, more that's more cute. Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's kind of endearing. It's, in, it's like when you see a, a commercial with the Flintstones hawking cigarettes. You know, it's like, oh, yes. that's interesting. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think um, I think that that the the Metal Gear Solid games were were amazing. One of the, one of my favorite games on the system was uh, Twisted Metal Two. I never got into the Twisted Metal games, but I remember you loved those things. Oh my god, Twisted Metal is so much fun, and I would argue it's actually still fun. Um, this is a game I actually um, played very recently, uh, is Twisted Metal, just to see what it was all about, and it is incredibly fun. Um, Twisted Metal Black, uh, that came out much later, I thought wasn't as good as the originals were. Because they were so damn awesome. Hmm. Um, let me see. 
What, what am I missing here? We, you talked about a lot of the RPG elements, so I'm trying to stay away from some of that stuff. And I mean, but there's lots of good updates. stuff. There were the Resident Evil games. There was we already talked about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Um, Traditional Resident Evil too. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. even. It, this is like original Resident Evil that's like scary, difficult. Silent Hill. Silent Hill is is one of my favorite games on the PS1 and is scary as stuff. Um, <laughs> it is crazy. Um, I don't know. The, the point is, like, if you go think back on the on the good games from the Cr- PlayStation, Chrono Cross has some of the most beautiful music on the system. Chrono Cross is, is great. Chrono Cross is, is a is and a Redbook Audio. Clinic. Redbook Audio. Um, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of great games on the PlayStation. The PlayStation, uh, in many ways, was a lot of the the, the it, it kind of although the Genesis really tried to make gaming an adult pastime. The PlayStation succeeded, and I think that is the legacy of the system forever. Um, you know, the average gamer today is really our age. That, in many ways, is is directly correlated to how the PlayStation made it okay to grow up with games and not leave them behind as toys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, to me, that's probably the biggest legacy of the original PlayStation. Fair enough. I think it's fair. All right. Well, glad you agree. <laughs> um, all right. So that we covered the, the 20th anniversary of PlayStation. Happy birthday, PlayStation 1. And uh, you, uh, your, your legacy lives on to a certain extent in the PlayStation 4. Actually, I think better with the PlayStation 4 than the PlayStation 3. That's do you think true. the next one will be the PlayStation 5? Do you think that'll happen? Or well, do you think they're, gonna, they're at some point going to stop the nomenclature thing? And I don't know why on? they would. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I don't. Things don't make any sense sometimes, yeah. like with movie titles. So Windows Ten. It'll yeah. be uh, two, two, two play two station seven. Yeah, that'll, something like that. That'll be it. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on to the question and answer portion of the program. Just as a reminder, folks, if you'd like to ask a question, you can tweet at me at it's the Commodore. Several of you have already done so. You can also, if you're following along in the chat, just click on my name, Commodore128. Click on private message. Um, don't, don't click on Adam820. Don't ask your questions to him. He, he won't answer them. Um, all right. Let's, let's jump right in. You ready for some questions? Sure. Okay. I hope it's about... Uh, I was going to say gonorrhea. I hope it's about appendicitis. I don't think we have any of those. Just pretend I didn't say anything. Okay, I will. Um, okay. Let's go to... Um, here we go. Luscious T asks, Having recently started doing reviews on 16-bit games myself, awesome, I became aware of Rue months ago. However, I recently discovered the deluge of knowledge that is the Echo Screen and the hidden gem that is the Commodore. Aw. Oh, see, isn't this nice? I didn't even know this was about That's me. Having listened adorable. to all the insanity of the Echo Screen, what pitch can you give me to go ahead and listen to the Weekly Ringer back catalog? Um, better than a kick in the nuts. Better than a stick in the eye. Um, <laughs> you know, I really like the Weekly Ringer series. It was, it was, it was very different than anything we had done to that point. Um, you know, there was a there was a point where you were making videos. Probably semi-monthly. I don't know. It was more regularly. That's for sure. 
Yeah. And and the, kind of the only content that was daily or weekly was the Weekly Ringer because I was doing one every single week. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the growth in the community wasn't was not just about kind of the video that they found on YouTube that was so good. It was that well, this is actually forged part of the community. I, so I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of the, the work that went into that series. I worked my butt off on it, which is good. Um, I, I still am not sure whether I want to continue it or not or whether I want to kind of put something in its place that I can be equally proud of. It's different. Um, but, uh, you know, going back through the Weekly Ringer catalog, I think you will see a lot of, uh, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of folks that are still with us today and so what some of their opinions were. And uh, a concept that, quite frankly, I think has been is now basically co-opted everywhere on the Internet. And uh, it, it, but it was very early when we came up with it. There are a lot of people and I think a lot of people do it very well. I'll give you an example. The PBS Idea Channel um, does great work that basically is kind of a very similar concept of the Weekly Ringer. Talk about something. They do a follow up video that just talks about comments um, and then the next video. But um, for me, it was always about trying to be interactive with the video content and not just talking at people. Um, so anyway, that's my pitch on the Weekly Ringer. It was a lot of fun. It might still be a lot of fun, but uh, I need to find more time for it. Also, apparently, it's called Lucius T. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't. I, I apologize. Terrible. Luscious tea sounds better. I know. It makes me kind of thirsty, actually. Yeah, I know. Mm, I could go for some luscious tea right now. Um, okay. Uh, Adam820, friend of the program. And some Weekly Winger. Yeah. Given he's worked on other things in the past, how likely would it be that Kojima will move on to make a spiritual sequel to Metal Gear Solid, given products from other former developers like Inafune with Mighty Number 9 and Igarashi with Bloodstained? Um, Or is it time for them all to hang up those hats? I'm not going to say it's impossible. So Kojima, Hideo Kojima is, uh, I think famously that by this point, I don't think he's left Konami yet. Technically. Uh, um, I don't, I, I know that there is no longer a team ninja, right? Right. Oh, not, uh, is that what it is? Team ninja team? I, uh, I just messed Yeah. If you didn't say that, I, team ninja. I know what you're talking about. Uh, there's yeah. no, there's no Kojima team at Konami yes. anymore. I don't think that's what it's called, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the, but I, I know what you mean. But. Like the logo. But. Uh, so he's kind of out on his own, essentially, at this point. Will he make a spiritual successor to Metal Gear Solid? I would think is less likely than to see something like a Mighty Number no. 9 as a spiritual successor to a Mega Man, which is what you're seeing now, for example. Yes. Mostly because. Well, a couple of reasons. One, I think a lot of what Metal Gear is is wrapped up in IP that Kojima had, or sorry, that um, Konami has. Yes. Uh, Mega Man, no one gives a crap about the story, more or less. It's a fight, it's jump and shoot, man. Jumping and shooting and fighting robots in in the future, right? Yep. Uh, Secondarily, from what I understand, part and this is part of the reason why Konami, um, basically, and Kojima are having the split, is that Metal Gear Solid Five took so many resources to make. Mm Mm-hmm. It will be his magnum opus. Yes. It will be very difficult to independently find something that will be worthy a worthy successor. It doesn't mean it will be successful, but it certainly means it's huge. Oh, I think it'll be successful. Uh, from what I hear, it's damn great game. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I could see Kojima saying, 
Well, that's that's about it. That's about all I can do on that. So well, there's different generations here too, right? You you hit it on the head. We're in the renaissance of the 2D game. Yeah. Mighty Number no. Nine, Bloodstained are games that are 2D in nature. <laughs> um, so for me, th- there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of room to make those games spiritual successors better and to do it cheaply. To your point, Metal Gear Solid was a again, you know. Metal Gear as a game started as a 2D game, but Metal Gear Solid forged completely new ground and was one of those massive games. It took a long time to beat. There were a lot of intricate pieces to it, a lot of Easter eggs hidden inside of it. It was one of those games that really took a a lot of time. It was Mm -hmm, big. mm -hmm. And to make something that big is really hard independently. So... For me, I think it's unlikely we will see a spiritual successor to Metal Gear Solid. What I think we will see, though, um, I, I think it's unlikely that Kojima is going to be hanging hanging it up anytime soon. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. Games. I'm not saying he's going to be done making video games. I'm just saying that it'll likely not be a spiritual successor to Metal Gear Solid, at least not in the near future. Agreed. And I and I don't think in in the case of of the other gentleman mentioned here, I don't think there is any reason to think that they're going to hang it up or that they should. I, the, the, the concept of Bloodstained to me from, from Igarashi is the greatest hope for a Castlevania game that I have seen in a long time. So I'll be all over that. All right. Um, let's see. How about Captain Carnage, who asks a very Rue-specific question. What is your favorite Fire Emblem game? I've never played a Fire Emblem game. Wait a minute, didn't you have Fire Emblem? No, you didn't have Fire Fire Emblem. I'm a terrible person. I've also never played Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, I I definitely played Final Final Fantasy Tactics. It was a great game on the PlayStation, by the way. I know, we didn't (laughs) even touch on that. We didn't touch on Final Fantasy Tactics. I I know it gets all sorts of of praise. I I have Final Fantasy Tactics. I've just never played it. So I'm a terrible person is your answer. I could play all over again. Yeah, so I, I me too cuz I've never played I I swear you had played Fire Emblem. I haven't either. Mm-mm. So no. Um no, sorry. Sorry. Um okay, let's see. Uh D did Are you having a stroke? Am I having a stroke? Do you smell almonds? D dick. Okay, I don't know. Uh their their question is I don't know, it's the best I could do. May I be the president of your fan club once you both get elected into office? The answer is absolutely. Sure, why not? We'll never, because we're never going to be elected to office. Uh, um, we could. We, we, you want to go ahead and uh, submit? Announce? Yeah, we'll announce it right now. No. Okay. I'm not signing any pledges. <laughs> um, All right, Mr. Trump. Ken, Ken from Street Fighter asks, <clears throat> what anime character did you have a crush on? That's too much information. Well, I can honestly tell you I've never had a crush on an anime character because I have always thought anime was kind of dumb. Oh. Um, I, no, I just, it's not my thing. You know, Sailor Moon was... was Made you feel tight in the pants? Really long legs. But that was, that was, I was a little young for the whole Sailor. I, I, I don't know. Um, how about a video game character? You have a video game character you want to admit having a crush on? Uh, a crush is really strong. There are yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you back that up? Why don't you back that up? Back that up. Uh, yeah. I can combine that though. There's the the girl from Zeno Gears is is kind of nice and attractive. What's her name? Ellie. 
something like that. She has, uh, she has red hair. Unsurprisingly, I like the red-haired girl. Um, oh, interesting. But but that but that was interesting because that was a game on the PlayStation. See, look, I'm wrapping this all together. That was a game on the Boom. PlayStation Xenogears that used uh, anime cutscenes. Yeah. Fairly effectively. Um, yeah. So that was that's pretty good. I like that. Good. Oh, look. I love anime the most of all my loves. Commodore 2015. Ah, see? You guys are so great. <laughs> this quote in the Commodore continues. Iron Buddha asks, speaking of how most of the PS1 games today are unplayable. True. I think that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. Which system has... Oh, but GoldenEye is equally unplayable. Which system has more <laughs> games that has stood the test of time and are still great games to this day? PlayStation 1. Or Nintendo 64. Okay. I, I thought it was going to be an open-ended question. I was like, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Super Nintendo. But Yeah, and I think that's I think that's probably the right answer for everything. It's at least up there. All the stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. at least up there. Uh, which one has more that stand the test of time? PS1 or Nintendo 64. Nintendo 64 is at a horrible disadvantage by the sheer mathematics. I know. You should go by percentage of games. games. Yeah. <laughs> percentage, what percentage of the library stands the test of time better? Well, what are what are the best games? I mean, the best games on sixty four that that do. Are there any that do stand the test of time? Oh, of course. Hold on. All right. What are they? I got some here. Um, um, I, I would say Ooh. that Mario Kart sixty four is still as fun as it ever has been. It's very good. It's probably my favorite Mario Kart. Although I haven't played eight yet, but now I'm going to get it. Um, I played eight. I just haven't played it on my home system in depth. Um, All right, Pilot Wings is actually a lot of fun. Pilot Wings sixty four is still a lot of fun. That's a good. That's a really good game, and it's, it doesn't lose a lot in its awful three um, D. All right, Star Wars: Shadow of the Empire. I would say not so great. Uh, no. Quest sixty four. No. Pokemon Puzzle no. League. I mean, but that's a puzzle game. No. Perfect Dark is pretty good. Perfect still. Dark. I'd say it's still pretty good. Perfect Dark is as playable as Goldeneye is. It needed a serious update. Star Wars Rogue Squadron? No. Uh, no. Uh, Rogue, okay. Rogue Squadron is a hell of a lot better than Shadows of the Empire. I will absolutely give you that. Goldeneye. I, all right. Rogue, Rogue Squadron would still be playable today. Okay. Here's, here's ones that I think are still playable. Paper Mario, Legend of yep. Zelda, Ocarina of Time, Legend of yep. Zelda, Majora's Mask. Yep. Uh, F-Zero X is still pretty playable Pokemon yeah. Snap is very playable um, Smash Brothers is definitely not as good as its successors but Smash still Brothers, a very playable yeah. game and Smash the- Brothers on 64 is so it, it is put to shame so badly by its successors you never want to play it again no but it's still playable as a game you know, uh, and I and I have not too long ago still played it, um, and of course Mario sixty four is still very good. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I'm so gonna I go with sixty four. Honestly, I, I'm I'm definitely the opposite direction. I think there are more play, PlayStation games that are. <laughs> we also have apparently survived. have have some votes for No Mercy, which I guess is some sort of wrestling game. No Mercy. Oh, really? I don't remember that. Um. <laughs> I would say I would say PlayStation, and I know it had oh, a, okay. it, it had a serious serious advantage in terms of the number of games. But um, I'm there going are with definitely top games. There are more unplayable games on the PlayStation, for sure. 
because there were just so many so many games for the PlayStation and so many crappy games for the PlayStation. But that doesn't change the fact that I think there are some, you know, you could still play Gran Turismo 2 right now and still be amazed at how good it is. You could still play Castlevania Symphony of the Night right now, remember how great it is. Mm-hmm. And there are a whole host of those games. Um, Final Fantasy VII not being one of them. Okay. Uh, DTX 180. My question is, I remember you guys being fans of Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Mm. Absolutely. Have, Love I, me some Heroes of Might and Magic 3. I haven't played it in so long, but it's so good. New Heroes of Might and Magic coming soon. Wow. And I've been playing, and I, I still haven't played the last one for Christ. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I own it. I own it, and I played it for like two hours. And I've been playing the game again lately. My question is, um, what is your favorite town type? Oh God! From Heroes of Might, Might Magic Three. This is this isn't this is not tough. So I'll, I'll answer so with much. something. Uh, mine actually became the dungeon, which I know sounds weird, uh, but I actually had a ton of success with the dungeons. The beholders were awesome. Um, uh, so many great creatures. I, I the uh, uh, the. Um, uh, I, I, oh, the mana cores, the mana cores that could fly. They were like you know the the, the tanks. They were they were really good. Um, I don't know. I, I I always I always really loved the dungeon, but you know I always have kind of a, a soft spot for the the human towns. Um, the uh, uh, castles, right? Yeah, yes. the castles. I will go with the castles mostly mm-hmm. because I love the archangels. I mean, it was a it was hard to ever get those to work out right. It was a pain yes. in the butt and a giant resource sink. But if you could get some archangels going, ooh, you could mess up almost anything on the battlefield. Huh? Come I on, like that. They're great. Yeah, they they were they were pretty damn good. That's a boring answer, but that's that's what I liked more than that. That's true, man. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the castle right now, and it's in Heroes Two. I actually think the necromancer town was was my favorite because you, you could get town? away yeah i don't remember what it was called what was it's it called? by it's by uh necropolis oh the necropolis there you go thank you necromancer um, town pa it's down by yeah. uh you know Dru- druidville necropolis. yeah <laughs> um so but i love that because you could cheat so bad if you just got a bunch of vampire lords they were basically indestructible you could just go and go and go and then they'd raise from the dead um, thank you for that little nostalgia trip. God, oh, yeah. I love Heroes 3. Such an awesome game. Heroes 3, talk about a game that is still playable today from 1999. <laughs> Heroes of Might and Magic 3, just as playable today Psy- as it ever was. Psychopather says I'd buy that for a dollar. I think it is literally a dollar on good old games. You absolutely can play Heroes of Might and Magic 3. Heroes of Might and Magic 4 sucks. 5 was really good, and 6 is a great... 6 is what 4 should have been. <laughs> And I apologize for anyone who has never played these games who has no clue what we're talking about. Yeah, good. Well, go you need to freaking get, get with the times. Go get People. Heroes of Might Magic 3. There you go. Then like, you'll know. It's 1999, man. You could have freaking figured out how to play a game. Since... Anyway, all right. So uh, let's see. How about... Oh, here's a good one. Anuvong, good friend of the program, asks, you guys think Sega and Sonic teams still have it in them to make a great Sonic game in the foreseeable future? Or is the franchise becoming a lost cause? Uh, did you see the Red Letter Media? It came out like six, six, nine, twelve months ago. 
but the, on Red Letter Media, uh, I think it's Jack and uh, Rich Evans and Rich, yeah, have a series previously recorded, previously recorded where they talk about yes. video games. Yes. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Um, but they did one which which Jack, um, you know, came out front and said it was like blatant clickbait. Uh, is Sonic, is Sonic the Hedgehog the worst game ever, or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where basically, I mean, the crux of the video was, is Sonic an overrated franchise? Was it right. really only good for a few games on the Genesis? And even then, was it really just not that great? Was it, was it, a, right. was it a, were we all victim, victims of marketing hype? Uh, right. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I would say, Definitely. I would say, I would say there's an argument to be made that there really only were a few good Sonic games and they were suited for the Genesis and what has come out since has just been unmitigated disaster after unmitigated disaster. Uh, there are a few suited bright spots. 2D. Sorry. I think it was suited for 2d more even than the Genesis. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um, and even then you could argue the depth of Sonic games was not nearly that of Mario games uh, no. for obvious reasons. Uh, and and the arguments made like, oh, you're supposed to go fast. You're supposed to go fast, fast. It's Sonic, fast, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic. If you do that, you miss so much. You die very quickly, more yes. often than not, it, 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 which was something I always found to be difficult um, but um, or, or frustrating. I should, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. There are some bright spots. Sonic Adventure 2 is pretty good. Uh, Sonic Generations is pretty good, but I don't. I would not ever hold your breath on a good Sonic game coming out. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only way that would happen is if they went back and kind of did what something like a Mighty Number no. Nine is, which is kind of reinvent itself. Um, the other thing is, you know, you know, this is why I think Nintendo is so great at what they do, because they've reinvented the Mario franchise in 3D worlds and 2D worlds time and again. And I didn't like Super Mario Sunshine. But pretty much that's the only one I didn't like. But even that game is was, a good game. It was a good game. Exactly. I don't think there is a mainstream Nintendo-made Mario game that I can say is a bad game. I agree. There, there are ones where, which I do not think were good Mario games, like Sunshine. I don't think that was a good Mario game. It didn't feel like a Mario no. game to me. No. With the backpack and everything. But it was not a bad game. No. I can say there are some bad sonic games so really really bad sonic games bad comically bad like bad you you watch them and you can't believe that like, they're real like literally there are lots of people make their their bread money on youtube talking about how bad these games are that's um, right anyway uh going back to the heroes of might magic thing we were talking about Necro ne uh, uh Necro necromancer town pennsylvania yes. I think yes. there is actually a Necromancer Town, Pennsylvania. It's called Centralia. No, there's not. Well, it's not called that, but have you heard of Centralia, Pennsylvania? No. No. It is literally a town on fire. Oh, my God. Well, okay. The underground is on fire. It has been abandoned for decades. It was like there was a, there's, a, there's an ongoing coal fire that's been going on for decades under that town. Wow. It's kind of like hell. So, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know. Welcome to hell, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, that's scary. Anyway, I just okay. thought, I was thinking about that. And I saw something in the chat about it. A pond life was talking about it in the chat, and it was like, oh yeah, there actually is like a Necromancer Town, PA. Necromancer Town, Pennsylvania. Yep. Hotel um, Mario doesn't count. That was not made by Nintendo. Exactly. Holiday Howlet asks, "What dormant Sony franchises do you think are ready to see a comeback?" And they vote for Dark Cloud, which I 
wholeheartedly agree with. Well, I mean, that's that's the when you say a Sony franchise, yeah, Sony doesn't, doesn't Sony really franchise. own much in the way of franchises. Those are third parties. Who who uh, who, who made Dark Factor Five? Level Five. Factor Five. Level Factor Five did the uh, Rogue Squadron games. What Rogue is Squadron. what is Factor Five doing nowadays? What happened to them? Um, anyway. Uh, no, Level 5 did Dark Cloud and Dark Cloud 2, and then they went on to make the most recent Dragon Quest games. So yes. And, yes. and Nino Kuni really, yes. uh, on PlayStation 3. So they are... They're doing well. They, could, they upgraded. They could probably make a Dark Cloud whenever they wanted to. Sure. And they have They've just been so busy. Um, I vote for that. I vote I mean, for that. But but is that, a, is, that a, is that a Sony, a dormant Sony franchise? That's just tough to argue. It is a dormant franchise. I wouldn't mind seeing more of it, but I mean, they're busy like working with Square Enix and Studio Ghibli and blah blah blah. So, excuse me, but um, what is okay? What is Factor Five doing? They mm-hmm. last were working on an Xbox 360 game, Superman, which was canceled in 2008. Uh, rumored uh-huh. Kid Icarus game, 2008, canceled. Yikes. Uh, ooh, what happened? It looks like they kind of ceased operations in the late 2000 decade. There you go. Uh, Game over, man. In late December 2008, several online media outlets reported that Brash Entertainment uh, would close, uh, which was the publisher of Factor 5's current project. Um, Factor 5 has funding difficulties, eventually causing its closure in May 2009. Oh, that sucks. It does suck. Wow, how did I miss that? I just suddenly realized we haven't seen a Factor 5 game in a long time. Those Rogue Squadron games were decent. They were decent. They were the, the best shot yet at trying to recreate the magic of X-Wing, and they still failed. In, in console form. In console form, I mean, which, which is very difficult to duplicate. It is. So, I mean, I give them... But considering I played X-Wing that. on my 386. Mm, I think the last thing that they did was layer on the PlayStation 3, so that's your problem. That ran at a staggering 13 megahertz out of the box Mm -hmm. i reckon they could have figured out a way to duplicate that on a console that was anyway all right so uh i am gonna say well i mean twisted metal comes to mind because twisted metal is so damn good um but twisted metal we've seen some of those even more recently i would say here's here's one crash bandicoot I think the world could use another Crash Bandicoot game. Okay, that's a fair. I mean, that's really the only th- answer, I think. That's really the only yeah. answer you can come up with. Crash Bandicoot is... It it was it was supposed to be the Mario for... In fact, folks, if you haven't seen it in a while, go back. Watch the Crash Bandicoot commercials against Nintendo. They are the funniest things. You have to go see them. Where Crash Bandicoot, like this guy in a comically large Crash Bandicoot, like has a... He like shows up in a costume and he gets and I was like, Hey guys, hey, what's going on? Like just blasting his voice out to Nintendo and telling them like you guys suck. Oh totally I, I remember that. I remember that. Holy crap. Those commercials are awesome. <laughs> Go check them out. They are hilarious. Holy crap, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, but Crash Bandicoot was supposed to be the Mario for PlayStation. Right. And for a long time it really was. Kinda so, was. Kinda was. Yeah, kinda was. But it was definitely not a was was not a, a real a true competitor to Mario. I don't think anybody ever thought yeah. that. But there was uh, Crash Team Racing mm-hmm. for PlayStation, which is an Mario awesome, knockoff. That sucks. Awesome Mario Kart knockoff, but it, it but it's a good. damn good. It damn was terrible. Good. Awesome. Not good at all. Great. 
I actually have CNK for the Xbox, which is Crash Nitro Kart, which was the sequel to it. Mm. Um, which is not as good. But anyway. All right. Um, let's see. Let's get a couple more of these kind of rapid fire style. That's good because we're going on an hour 40 minutes right now. Oh, jeez. Mr. This will be a short one tonight. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. Liar. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's see. How, let's, let's, let's close this out with, with some of the ones that have just come in. All right. So Russ asks, do you rename your characters in RPGs like Final Fantasy VI or do you like keeping them the default names? When I was a kid, I would rename them to like friends and stuff. Nowadays, I, 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 I'm the kind of guy who will name my character in Legend of Zelda Link. In the, like the file name will be Link, even yeah. though it has no bearing. On doesn't anything. have any facts. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> give you anything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, I switched. I switched over. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, when I was younger, I would I would do the exact same thing. I don't play a lot of RPGs now, though. So yeah, that's true too. I, and that would kind of mess with me on certain games because I would remember I would name some characters random things, and yeah. uh, that's why I knew the characters as for a while. So yeah. I would have to relearn, like um, Umaro in Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. For some reason, I named him Satchmo. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know why. Satchmo. I was like, I'm not gonna. I don't like this player? name. I don't like this name. Satchmo. That's better. player? Yeah. He plays. Oh play. He's like. I just had a crazy flashback to Rugrats when you said that. Satchmo, the drama player. <laughs> um. Man, and, that's awesome. And I think just to mess with my mind later, I think Strago, the wizard, the blue wizard in Final Fantasy VI. Yes. I named him Stargo. Because I'm like, Strago. I don't know how to pronounce that. Stargo. Much Stargo, better. That makes sense. Yeah. Just to mess with my mind later, trying to remember his name, I guess. Oh, my God. Like, that's, that is awesome. Um, all right. Let's see. Uh, Avagonthamos asks, what are your favorite and least favorite regular enemies in a video game? Regular enemies. My favorite regular enemy is the Goomba from Mario Brothers. That's so lame. It's, but no, the, the the Goomba is is like the classic enemy. He has no purpose in life but to get squished. There's nothing else he does. He doesn't go up. He goes down if he falls, but he gets squished. That's all he does. Uh oh man, least favorite. Uh, least favorite. Least favorite. I know there are good answers for this. There are really the, the creeper. In Minecraft. Ooh, that's good. That's perfect. Probably my least favorite. That is really good answer. Um, that messes with your head. That's really like the only answer. It is. It's all like it's. It's like the, the that game was is so awesome and so playable for so long, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, you get you get something blown up and you die and you go screw this. I'm not playing this anymore. Yeah, you, you you never want to be. You never like. I, I got to the point where I just wouldn't even go outside in the dark. I would just like do out stuff outside in the day, come back inside, close the doors, and not go outside. Uh, Fobbies from Earthbound are awesome because they give you tons of experience. Isn't there like some enemy in some game somewhere like you jump on them and they make a cute noise, like a squeak or something? That's like just pleasing. No, I don't know what you're talking about there. I'm just making it up. All right, slime. Yeah. I'll say slime. A slime? Okay. That's, I guess that works. <laughs> uh, 
How about uh, beep bop, beep boop? Have you guys <laughs> ever backed beep bop? Have you guys ever backed any Kickstarter projects? And if so, did they pan out or were they underwhelming? I just backed my first Kickstarter project like a month ago or so. It's okay. a, it was for a hot sauce that I saw on Reddit. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for I, it. Ten bucks. I'm in. So disappointed in you. I'm in for ten. So yeah, hey, but you know what? Unlike some Kickstarter projects that are video game related, I'm gonna get my hot my hot sauce pretty soon. You get your damn hot sauce. What do you think about that? Because you know what? I, it doesn't take three years and two million dollars and a bunch of bullcrap to make some dang hot sauce. So yeah, exactly. Suck it. So uh, I have never backed Kickstarter. I don't plan on doing it. I don't really follow all that stuff anyway. I can send you um, this hot sauce Kickstarter if you want to do it. I um, I was this close to getting on board with the Pebble. I really loved that concept to the point where I was like, that's a good deal. I should do that. You should but have done the do ya. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you mean the Apple TV? Oh. oh thank you. Um, last one. Psychopather. Favorite arcade game? Like oh. arcade, arcade. Oh, yeah, like you played in the arcade. That's hard. There's some good barcades like in the area here now. Just so yeah, you but know. that's that's nothing to do with it. No, it does because I've been actually able to play arcade games more recently. Yeah, but see, I'm going to show you a place where you're going to be like barcade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you come up to to the grand old state. Hey, we should go and do. Answer. We should we should plan a party for that place. Uh yeah, you should. <laughs> Um, no, what was I going to say? Asteroid. Your favorite arcade game. Asteroids is a lot of fun because of the vector graphics. Um, mm -hmm. Special yeah. special uh, dispensation for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Um, Ar arcade. Donkey Kong's a lot of fun. Although Donkey Kong's still a lot of fun. Kicks your butt. It's so hard. Um, I, I've stepped into that cabinet recently and been mm, just crushed. Discs of Tron is an awesome cabinet. I remember that, and it's a great experience. Like you have to like kind of like look inside it's of it, don't you? Like it's like a no. It's it's, a, it's actually a stand up. Well, I don't know. I think there might be different versions. The one I'm thinking of is actually an enclosed cabinet where you stand in there and you're. It's it's got the neon and everything. It's just a really fun yeah. game too, um, and also special special uh discussion or whatever for uh, the star wars arcade games good um from the early 80s also vector graphics and also missile command not missile command missile yeah missile game. command missile um, command is a great game when you have the full environmental cabinet and it feels like mm -hmm. at the end of the world's happening around you that's pretty creepy yeah i agree that's an awesome one um man there there's a lot of really good arcade games um I will say Daytona USA, one of my favorites. Mm. That's a great arcade game. Because um, I, I playing it at home never made any sense, but playing it in the for some reason playing it inside was in the arcade was was great. Um, I did I did like fighting games. You know, I, I was never any good at them. So people have talked about Street Fighter. I totally agree with that. Um, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat in the arcades just because I, I love to do that and I love to try out different uh, finishing moves and stuff like that in the arcades. That was early on. Yeah, I never my, was able to do that. Um, so anyway, that, but I will, I'll make special mention of something I just played. There is something called the Star Wars Pod. 
or the game pod or something like this in the arcades. It's, pod it's racing? very new. No, 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 no. Oh. Like, it's a game pod. Like, it's this giant circular thing. I don't even know what you're talking about. The size of, like, a small room. And you enter with a door. And you go and sit in the seat, and you can play different things. You can play Hoth. You can play the Death Star run. You can play, like, huh. Yavin. You can do all these different things. I'll look this up. And the screen wraps around you. So it's like a giant flight simulator. And the sound is huge. Battle pod? It is, yeah. It is probably... The greatest arcade experience I have ever had. Huh. Is this I that played, place local to you? It's not. It's, oh. it's in Dave and Buster's, which is close. Oh, okay. So it's going to be one of those really expensive ones, huh? It's re- it is, but you just well, you jump. It doesn't matter. You jump in there. If it I is see awesome. it, I'm going to have to try it because it seems you ha- intriguing. You have to play this game. It's one of the best hmm. arcade experiences I've ever had. Cool. Okay. All right. Sold. Good. I'll buy so 10. We'll, 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 uh, we'll hang up the cleats. With that one. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. I learned so, something uh, today. Thank, yeah, see? Thank Star you Wars all Metal for... Uh, well, I mean, I, I learned a lot of things, but it, it was more about appendixes, I think. Yeah. Uh, more than you ever want to know. Make sure you get lathroscopic surgery. Yeah. Lathro... Lathro... That's where they take the, the wormy fiber optic thing and they stick it in your guts and they're like digging it Digging around in there. And they, they just... I don't, fish it out like an operation. I assume that's what happened. I wasn't awake for the thing. So yeah. Hey, speaking of which, how great has anesthesia gotten? It's pretty good. It's like it's pretty damn good. All right, gonna go in and we're gonna do this thing. Okay, look up and you're out. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, can you like take a couple breaths for me because you and then you wake up. Yep. And then you, literally, I wake up. I'm being rolled into the recovery, and they're like, "Okay, what do you want for breakfast?" I'm like, "What." Yeah. I don't know. It's not breakfast time. Stuff. The thing that sucks about anesthesia more than the thing that sucked the most, honestly, because I mean, I had stuff to deal with the pain uh, of the recovery, but they have to stick the tube down your throat so you can breathe. And my throat hurt all day. So I'm like, oh, there's a great Monte Cristo sandwich for breakfast. Yeah. Okay. I'll get that. I can't swallow. (laughs) And that's what she said. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. With Monte Cristo and all. Um, it was a good sandwich. I just wish I could have eaten more. And I, I believe it. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us, obviously, on this uh, long version because we haven't seen you all in a month and clearly we missed you. Aww. So uh, there's a lot more to come. Remember, we've got a lot coming up. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to do as many episodes as we possibly can here. We are not going anywhere. Don't worry. Uh, well, if you thought because we missed a week because we're not... Uh, we're not. We, we're losing the show. We're walking away. Not true at all. Actually, that's a lie. I will be going somewhere. I'll be going to Retro World Expo, October third. Well, yes, that's true. Look up Retro World Expo, Google it, and then the Portland Retro Gaming Expo, October seventeenth and eighteenth. There you go. Yes. Where I'm going. Besides that. Yes. But, but before that, we'll be back here. We will be back, and uh, I even have a pretty good idea what we're going to talk about. So. Yep. It's going to be fun. Wednesday, Rejoin September thirtieth. Yep. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you gave the date because I wouldn't have known that. Done. Um, all right. So, yeah. So we'll see you uh, because we are bike weekly now. Which is a good thing to, to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've done this long enough that where people say, hey, look, you know. We are bike weekly. Deal with it. Yeah, totally. Um, anyway, thank you all for watching. I appreciate all of the comments and questions as usual. This was uniquely fun, I think. We have a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of questions I didn't get to, which... Kind of sucks for for the people that ask them, but just save your questions for next time. We will absolutely 
answer them. You can find me at It's the Commodore. You know that. You can find Rue at... What, are you not going to say it? Oh, I thought you were going to say it. Rue underscore, underscore C-O-T-G-W. There you I go. Say that. That's fine. Ding, I, ding. I, I, I just thought maybe you would want, we would want to do it just for, just for fun. It happens. Uh, anyway, so thank you all for watching. We will see you next time here on the Echo Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. Until then, there is no reset button. So I hear. been a month since you last saw us so here you get the damn cat yay yeah that's right he's like why'd you wake me up i don't want to see these people i hate all of them i'm a cat i hate life Uh. all right see you in two weeks bye boom